I'm doing good. Sorry, I was a little late. Just ran, just got back from a meeting. All good. I understand. Lots going on. How's Los Angeles treating you? It's good. Yeah, it keeps me, keeps me busy. Probably too busy. Yeah, the move went well, though? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it was easy. Good. Glad to hear it. Um, are you able to get on video, or would you prefer not to have video? Um, probably prefer not to. I don't really have like, a good setup for that. Okay. All good. Well, thanks for coming on the show. Happy to have you. Uh, I want to ask you just about your media circuit. How's that been going? You've been doing a bunch of podcasts. It's been good. Yeah, I kind of just say yes to everything right now. Uh, that's my strategy. And I guess people want to hear me talk about stuff, so I'm happy to do that. Um, so, yeah, it's been it's been good. I don't really have a way of measuring it or I don't really have goals for it, but I try to, you know, I'm, I'm, it, it lets me explore my own thoughts and figure out what I really believe. And so I think that is, has been a really great. Nice. So you've just been agreeing to interviews just to kind of think through whatever you're doing next? Exactly. Nice. And what what is next as far as you can tell? Uh, next is just working on Gumroad, uh, trying to be more of a creator on a personal level, working on painting, writing. I just started working on um, a comic strip and uh, working on an animated show concept so yeah just making making a lot of stuff nice trying to trying to do what i want to do basically as far as your writing goes did you take a class with brandon sanderson i did nice how was that did it was great it was awesome and as far as uh your uh, TV series and all your writing, do you have any deadlines or plans for what you're going to do with it? Or are you creating for the sake of creating? Um, that's a good question. I do have plans. Uh, they're long-term, so I don't have anything in the next year, two, three years. Um, I have sort of super, super long-term plans. And I have super short-term plans, basically. But I don't really do things in the middle, I think it's really hard when these things are, these outcomes are, are mostly out of your control, you know, mm -hmm. to a, to a large degree. Um, like it's not up to me to, 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 to make a show entire, not up to me entirely at least. So it's uh yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. And I try not to have too much of uh too much expectations i guess like my 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 goals are mostly around learning mm -hmm. uh which i can control and less so about um about getting something made and out into the world and um you know it like some some outcome that requires a lot of folks right to, like a product or something <laughs> Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, certainly products, I think outcomes are a great way to measure if I'm doing the right stuff, like if I'm learning the right things, but in terms of, um, 
yeah, in terms of just goal setting, I've found that they don't particularly help. Like saying, you know, I want to release a music album by the end of the year um, is a great check. But really, I think it's more like you should be making music every day, you know? Yeah. That's in your control. That's something that you can sort of, that doesn't feel as scary and as like, I need to have a music video at the end of the day. Right. How is uh, painting going? It's going well. I mean, same thing. As long as I paint, I'm happy. Um, I had a great start of the year. I was painting like four or five times a week, which was pretty awesome from life too. Uh, I think I got a lot better and I continue to get better. My goal now in, in, in uh, LA is to try to do more plein air painting. Um, again, I took a big break from plein air painting and just did portraits and figure and stuff, which I'll try to do here too. But, and then I also want to focus on, on imagination coming up with things out of my head, which is brutally What's, difficult and like way yeah. harder, way harder than, than coming, than just taking something that you see in front of you and trying to, uh, you know, recreate it yeah we're not recreated entirely but depict it in some form who do you have like role models or favorite artists that you try to uh learn from yeah i mean I'd, a lot of them <laughs> a ton of them if you just go to the people i follow on instagram you'll see most of them but you know i really like suchicha bosley i really like a lot of dead painters um like sergeant um it's really great. I really, I mean, to me, it's less about like learning from a specific painter. Um, I, I learn from like specific paintings. Um, you know, like if I go to a museum, I don't really care about who painted what. Okay. Most of the people, you know, you don't know their names unless they're incredibly famous. Right. Um, but you can certainly learn stuff from, from, from specific paintings. Um, and mostly just like, what do I like? Right. Uh, and, and, uh, yeah, what, what attracts me to a certain painting and, and, and getting a pulse on what that is, um, is, is really helpful when you, you know, when, when you decide, okay, like I have a day to paint whatever I want. What, like, what do I want to paint? You know, you have a blank canvas, like what do right. you want? Seems to be like really personal fulfillment as far as the creative creativity goes. That's all there is. I mean, with yeah. everything, you know, I mean, if you're not feeling personally fulfilled with what you're doing, uh, to me, it's like, you know, time, time is the most valuable resource we have. And so if we're not spending, if you sort of expect to sort of trade that, you know, at some point um, for, you know, personal fulfillment in the future, I think that's a risky proposition. Right. And certainly some people have to, they just don't have the option. I think I'm really lucky in that I do have that option where I can do what I love to do, um, make money doing it, find personal fulfillment, uh, and make a living doing that. That's, I mean, that's why I started Gumroad, right? Is right. And that's where I think a lot of people are trying to get to. <laughs> certainly, yeah. I mean, I talk to creators all the time, basically every day, and it's funny how like they're just like yeah i kind of just want to do what you're doing uh which is kind of funny because you know a year ago or two years ago i would have not 
not thought that at all. Well, um, do you think it's particular, particularly hard for the average person to get to where you're at as far as doing what they want to do and getting paid for it? Um, I don't think it's hard. Um, I think it's certainly possible. Um, I think it's incredibly, uh, it requires a lot of time. It requires a lot of effort. Uh, it requires like a lot of studying and discipline, but I, I believe that like everyone can get to this point. I think that's a possibility for sure. In talking to all the creators that you've met, uh, is there a recurring obstacle that a lot of them face? Um, hmm, that's a good question. I mean, it depends on the stage, you know, like some creators really struggle with like being disciplined about mm -hmm. stuff and being prolific. Um, some people are really, um, concerned about building an audience. They really struggle with that aspect of it. Um, it really depends. I don't know. I don't know if there's anything that um, I would say the hard, the, the hardest thing um, is for people to just keep going, you know, like I think for people to really recognize that this can be a really long, I mean, you know, I've started Gumroad eight years ago. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Yeah. You know, uh, and you know, so if, if I'd said, Hey, you can do it, you can totally make, earn a living doing what you love in eight years. But to do that, you're going to have to work 60 hours a week for eight years to get to get to that point. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people would not do that, would not right. make that bet. Um, and that, you know, it is what it is. And you started when you were 19? Started Gumroad specifically? Um, I guess trying to work towards doing what you want to do uh, and getting paid for it. Uh, I started probably when I was 13. 13 how did you start then yeah i was i learned web design and i started doing freelance web design when i was around 13 or 14 years old were you in the bay area for that no no i was i was not i was i wasn't even living in the u.s oh okay but that's Where the beauty you? Of, you know you don't gotta you don't have to live and you know i never met i mean i couldn't have met any of my clients online or in person it would have been weird where Given were you? Uh, I was. I grew up in in Singapore. That's right. Yeah. And so, thirteen started web development, and then uh, what? When did you move to the states, and what was that like? I moved to the states for college in two thousand ten when I was seventeen, almost eighteen, and. Um, what do you mean? What, what was it like specifically? I think, um, I'm curious, did you finish college? No, I, I only did one semester. Got it. And then, uh, went over to Pinterest. I, yep, exactly. So I, I, I got an offer to work at, at Pinterest, um, and then dropped out, uh, to do that. Yeah. So, that, so yeah, I, it was funny cause I didn't really, that wasn't the plan initially. Right. Wasn't really expecting that that was going to happen so quickly. Um, 
but it did. <laughs> did you know uh, what you were getting into? Uh, what do you mean getting into? As far as um, just you dropped out of college, it's, to many that's a risk. Did you know uh, that it was potentially going to be lucrative? Um, I don't think it was a risk, to be honest. Um, I think I was spending money to go to school. Yeah. And I was getting paid to work at Pinterest. So to me, it was not a risk at all. And, and you know, you can always go back, right? Like if the startup doesn't work, like you can, you know, just go back to school there. They'd be happy to have me again. So right. I never really considered it a risk. Um, yeah, I think that is not, I think some people might, there's a, there's a difference between like, I, I like to say there's a, there's a difference between scary and dangerous. And I think it, they, people confuse the two just because something's scary doesn't mean it's risky. Um, you know, so I think people are scared of, of dropping out of school potentially, but I don't, I don't think it's a necessarily a risky thing to do. Mm-hmm. Do you think, um, how often do you see people who manage to do Gumroad full time as far as creators go? Um, it really depends. I mean, I don't really know because some people can go full time making a thousand dollars a month. It's, yeah. you know, it's really sort of dependent on where they live and their lifestyle. And if they have, you know, dependents and a family to support and things like that. Um, last month we had, I think a little under 800 people make a thousand dollars or more. You know, some people made a lot more than that. Mm-hmm. Um, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, but yeah, if you measure it by, you know, people that have made, couple thousand or more which i think is reasonable sort of you know most people don't live in san francisco new york or la right. or like that um i would say probably a few hundred people okay so it's possible but a little bit of a small crowd well that's just on gumroad oh yeah of course right. yeah so i would guess that it's also i mean it's how you define uh, doing what you love and, and, and how you define earning a living. I mean, if, if, if you, I would say I was doing that when I was full-time employed at Pinterest, I was doing what I loved and earning a living. That, right. And so there's a much broader, I think hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people are already there. Um, if you love driving a truck around the United States, which I'm sure you've you made do, it. Yeah. And you do that and you're living doing, think then you're, you're doing it. So I don't, I don't, I, I try not to be sort of super s- sort of specific on what that means. Like, I don't want to say, Oh, everyone needs to be making music or art or painting or drawing 24 seven. And if they're not doing that, like they're not really a creator or they're not really, you know, where they need to be if they want to be fulfilled and happy. Um, for me, it's just like, are, are people happy and do they have freedom to do what they wish to do? And if they had an extra few thousand dollars a month, would they fundamentally change their existence? Mm-hmm. And if the answer is no, they'd roughly be doing what they're doing today. Then, then I think they're, that's great. With creators on Gumroad, I noticed that like education is one of the more popular 
uh, things being sold. Would you say that that's the, what's the most successful um, product that you've seen being sold on your platform? Um, I mean, it's really diverse. I mean, people yeah. have millions of dollars selling all sorts of stuff. Um, you know, a lot of educational content like video tutorials and courses and workshops, webinars and the, and the ilk. Um, we've had people do super well in selling productivity tools and software and apps and brushes like tools for creative professionals. Mostly. Um, we've had people sell merchandise and do really well, like t-shirts, uh, things like that. We've had people sell music. I was just with a creator last night um Wolfpack they've made a good chunk of money selling music and merchandise and other stuff uh to their fans and their audience um before that I was this weekend I was hanging out or actually yesterday too I was I was painting with uh uh YouTube Sam Prokopenko who uh does these drawing uh tutorials and does super super well doing that so it really, you know, it really is all over the place. And it's really, it's, it's tricky sometimes when I have to describe like what Gummer does and, and for whom, because it is like an incredibly broad, we don't have a majority category. Like, you know, right. Like, That's what I'm gathering. It's a bit all over the place. Yeah, exactly. And it's been really fun. We've been going around the country doing creator dinners uh, to celebrate our top 25 creators in the major metropolitan areas in the U S and, it's just kind of cool to get all these very different people in a room together, you know, and they're surprised often, uh -huh. you know, by who's, who else is there. Cause they kind of expect perhaps that everybody around, you know, everybody on government is sort of doing something kind of similar to them, but often that's not the case. It's all over the place. Do you have any memorable moments from these dinners or particular stories that you liked? Um, I really enjoy hearing about how people discovered Gumroad. And I also really enjoy how people, how long it takes, you know, and like how Gumroad fits into their journey. It's not like the thing, you know, like they've, they've tried to try to make this happen for a long period of time. They've put in a lot of work outside of just using Gumroad. And so I just, I just like the, it's it's sort of humbling to to realize that like Gumroad is a piece of this really important puzzle for them, but it's not everything. And I really like knowing that. Um, and it gives me context on how I want to build Gumroad going forward. It's also cool to just discover some of the products that have done super well on Gumroad. The other the other week, last week, I met a Gumroad creator who sells a font called Open Dyslexic, which is for people that uh, have dyslexia and other things similar to that. And it's a font that sort of is, is designed specifically for people like that. And it's just cool, you know, it's just cool to, 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 to meet people and see uh, what they do. Um, and sometimes it's incredibly surprising. Yeah, I imagine. As far as art and selling art, uh, I interview creators as well. And a lot of them have trouble putting a price on the thing that they made. And I'm wondering if you have any recommendations of, for how to value the art that you produce. I mean, pick a price. Yep. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Um, because that's probably not the last thing that you sell. 
So, yeah, I really don't think it matters too much. I think people's uh, 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 debating stuff like that, I think just sell it for five bucks or 50 bucks or 500 bucks and see what happens. And through that process, you're going to learn if it was too high or too low. And then you do it again and you do it again and you do it again. And then you figure it out, you know? Um, I think another strategy, if I mean, I really think that's the best strategy is to just pick a random price and start from there. Another strategy is just to, just to copy somebody else. If you right. want to sell oil paintings that are nine by 12, like go figure out someone who's relatively the same stage quality subject matter as you are and steal their prices. Just use, you know, just use those and then change based on that. But you're doing the same thing, right? So you're just picking a slightly more sophisticated, better initial price, and then you're you're modifying it from from there. Right. Um, I think the other f- option is to to figure out, okay, how much money do you want to make? Do you want to make ten thousand dollars a month? Cool. Uh, how many audience members do you think will buy a product from you every single month? I would say, you know, let's say for most people, they're, they're going to say 500 people. I'm like, cool. So $20. And then you're done. That's start there. And then you can, you can modify from there. You can have tiers. You can have some for five and some for 500. But the most important thing is to start. And I, I always talk to creators that are just scared of starting. They're like almost looking for an excuse for me not to start. And I'm always just like, just start, just start. I don't know. Um, you're, you know, you're, everyone is, is different, you know, like you're selling to a totally different audience, uh, than, than, than someone else might be like subject matter is different. Um, your style is different. Um, your audience is different. I don't know. It's just like, there's so much, there's so many variables. It's, you know, it's just like when people ask me like, how much money will I make if I sell on Gumroad? You know, and I always, I just say as nothing, uh, you know, as, as up to $5 million. (laughs) It depends. I mean, you know, it depends on a lot of, a lot of different things. Just get started and then you won't have to ask me anymore. Right. Got to try it. You just gotta, it's that, uh, just test it out and get real world results. I think that's what your Twitter is always pushing. It's like, you don't, you just need to start. (laughs) Yeah, my Twitter can get really repetitive, but it's because I have the same conversations a lot. Mm-hmm. And my Twitter is kind of just like a proxy for for the conversations I have in real life, you know. And so, yeah, if I if I end up talking to the same, you know, three or four people, and they're all like, "Hey, um, I don't know, I don't know if I'll be a good musician. I, I don't know." And I'm like, "Have you tried it?" Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, I just don't, I don't. And I'm like, well, then you won't, you won't know then. I mean, how else? I mean, there's only one way to find out, right? Like, I think, I don't know. Maybe there's a test you can take on, on the internet that will tell you if you're going to be a really good painter. But my prediction is that if you paint for a long time, you will be a good painter. I mean, it's a choice. Do you want to be a good painter or not? Uh, I think every single human being on planet earth can be an incredible painter. Um, I, I really believe that because we can all see, I mean, not all of us, I guess, so maybe not, but, mm-hmm. uh, but a, a large, a majority. Um, and so, 
if you can see the world and if you have opinions, which we all have opinions, um, you know, yeah, you can be a phenomenal painter for sure. As far as your platform, you really push for, like I was reading your tweets about learning how to code is a good way to like start making money and just uh, then have the freedom to pursue doing what you want to do. Mm -hmm. um, do you have any ideas of what the future of work looks like? Because I think I also saw a tweet that you think it, remote work is stylish right now, but not really going to last. What do you think the future of work um, ideally looks like? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, my, my, my guess is that the future of work is going to shift to a more decentralized, a more independent, a lot more small businesses, a lot more software involved and enabled businesses. Um, inherently, that's going to mean more remote um, work, more flexible work. I think the sort of the nine to five, the five days a week, the office, the commute, those uh, trappings of work that we have in our society today are going to fade out over time for some, for a lot of people, you know, and it's, I, I, I really don't believe in predicting the future. I just mm -hmm. believe in like observing the present and, and, you know, if you observe the present, you'll see these trends. They're not crazy shocking trends or anything like that. And they've typically happened in places like San Francisco in New York before they happen elsewhere, mostly because I think both a combination of a lot of the technology is, is built in these places. And so sort of the, they're the experimental test beds for it, but then also because it's just expensive. And so uh, if you're looking for ways to save money, to build businesses um, and some people disagree on, on that uh, as a motivation for, for remote work. But I think at the end of the day, if you're trying to build a business and there's a way to save money to do that because building a business is really hard um remote work uh is 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 a great way to, to 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 save money that that gives me hope because i i also like to think that we're headed towards more small decentralized businesses it gives like hope to people like me i'm a barista i'm doing podcasts and videos as much as i can and i'm hoping for like to gain the skills that i can start doing this full time Mm -hmm. And uh, like, and this isn't a completely remote job. <laughs> Not yet. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think at the end of the day, like, you know, like you're gonna, you can live in America, which is, you know, still, still a pretty on the, in the, if you compare it to all the other countries, like a pretty expensive place to live, but you can mm -hmm. live in America for easily less than $500 a month. Really? Oh yeah. Easily. And so you just got to. You know, if it's a, it's a, yeah. So if you can, if you, if, if I, you know, I believe remote work will be incredibly more popular. So, uh, you know, imagine, yeah. Imagine what you could do if you, you know, how much art you could make. All you got to do is find a job that, you know, pays 15 bucks an hour and do that 10 hours a week. Um, and as long as you're comfortable living, you know, not happy. Yeah. You know, you're not living in the, uh, in a downtown area, I think you could live fine, 
you know, you spend a couple hundred bucks on, on groceries and you spend a, uh, you know, a hundred bucks on, on, tr- on your car and things. And you spend, uh, you know, the rest on that other 200 to $300 on rent. I see places all the time. I mean, when I lived in Utah, I would, you know, you could drive 15 minutes from where I lived and find places where the rent was less than $300 a month. See, I think the problem with me is I, I've been living in like Seattle <laughs> and yeah, totally. everything's totally off as so far as yeah, pricing you're not, goes. You're not living in a, in a real place. <laughs> a real place? A real place meaning just like, a, you know, when you talk to the vast majority of humans. Mm-hmm. They don't, they're, they're going to think of it like a, like a fantasy landscape or something like that. Got it. Sometimes it does feel like that. <laughs> yeah. So I don't mean in any derogatory sense. I live in Burbank, which is. Oh, yeah. All good. But yeah. Uh, who are, uh, like, just to wind down, I'm curious who your role models or any of your mentors are. Like, who are the people that inspire you at this moment? Um, good question. I really like Donald Glover. Yeah, so creative. Kim Kardashian and Kanye West. <laughs> um, I really think a lot. I think, I mean, I'm just in, in general right now. Uh, I try to, you know, because I am in this like weird new phase of my life where I can kind of do whatever I want. And so I'm trying to figure out what that means. And so I try to observe other people that are in, that have been there you know, um, in this way. And so I think, yeah, people like, like, like them, I think they just create a lot of cool stuff and they, they probably spend a lot of their time in their own head. And, uh, I think there's a lot, a lot to learn from, from people like that. And they, and they do stuff. I mean, they, you know, Kim Kardashian becoming a lawyer and everything. I think that's amazing. And so, um, yeah, it kind of, it kind of gives me a lot of inspiration, a lot of things to think about. I wish they tweeted more so I could be inside their head a little bit more, but I'll take what I can get. So do you think you follow more artists than like developers or uh, like tech entrepreneurs then? Yeah, actually. I mean, I, well, the thing is like, I'm a pretty okay tech entrepreneur. So I don't know at this point, like I don't really know what I'd be learning from a tech entrepreneur, you know? Right. I think tech entrepreneurship, especially advice on, on, in these accessible formats, like I totally hang out with tech entrepreneurs all the time. That's probably the group I hang out with the most just because that's the industry I'm in. But in terms of what you see on the internet, it's, it's mostly, you know, just because the top of the funnel is, it's, is, is large, much larger than, than, than anywhere else on the funnel. And the top of the funnel is, you know, people starting companies trying to find product market fit. Right. And so the vast, vast majority of the advice is directed to people like that. And I'm not there. Like I have product market fit, we're growing. And so the problems that I face on a, on a weekly basis, monthly basis are, you know, they're not really, it's not like I can go on Twitter and like learn about them. That would be a very inefficient way of solving my problem. I think those things are great when you don't know, what problems you're going to have or even, you know, what, what you should be thinking about. Like for me with music or with animation or with um, painting, I don't even know what I should be thinking about. And so 
spending time on Twitter and stuff for that is amazing. But yeah, I don't, I don't spend any time on Twitter. Uh, it's funny because pe- some people think I do because I tweet a lot. You tweet so much. Um, I only tweet twice a day. Um, Consistent. Yeah, I mean, it takes 10 seconds to tweet. Um, and I come up with all my tweets ahead of time, so I'm not tweeting real time most of the time. Um, so yeah, I actually spend less time on Twitter now than I ever have because it's impossible for me to go on Twitter now because I just have too many notifications. Right. So I actually don't read Twitter. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't read Twitter at all. I spend more time looking at artists on Instagram now. Um, is that the main media you're consuming is artists through Instagram? Are you also like watching TV series or what, what kind of stuff are you consuming? Um, the most I consume is books. Yeah. So, so, so just books on my Kindle or physical books. Um, and then just a lot of conversations. That's it. I don't really, it's funny cause I, I don't listen to podcasts. Yeah. I think um, if you have enough interesting people to talk to, you're, you're probably okay. Yeah. I, I, I feel like my life is a podcast, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I sympathize with that. I feel like my life's a sitcom sometimes. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't know. I think, and you know, it's like the thing with the, the thing with consuming is you're being told what to think and what to think about. Um, and I'm, I, I know what I want to think about, you know? So it's like, if it's, it's kind of like, you know, if you, if you, if you're looking for, I don't know, like a new desk, you're not going to go on Twitter for that desk. Are you very inefficient way? Um, and so for me, it's like, I kind of know what I want to do now. And so, um, you know, when I, when, when, when I'm in that mode, I, I, I think social media is a very ineffective uh, tool. So are podcasts. I mean, I listen to podcasts certainly, but not people. Like I don't listen to a specific podcast. Like if there's a certain person that I met or I'm meeting and I want to learn about them or something like that, then I'll go listen to a specific episode with them in it um or something like that but i think in general like there's very few even even authors i don't know there's maybe less than 10 that i would read every book that they release on that note this will be my last question thanks again for coming on um it's been great talking to you what would you say are maybe like five books that you've read they could be recently or just throughout your life that you would recommend I re- the best book that I've read recently is this book called The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. Okay. And I've been recommending it basically to everybody um, that asks me. Um, it's phenomenal. Um, that's, the, that's, that's the best book I've ever read probably in the last couple of years. Um, nice. Before that, The Fifth Season was really great by N.K. Jemison. Um, really, really good book. Um, and then there are a lot of the sci-fi classics that have really informed a lot of the way that I think like Dune or Foundation. Um, Ishmael is really phenomenal. The Golden Compass is, is a phenomenal, phenomenal book. Um, I think that's five. Yeah. That it, so a lot of sci-fi, a lot of fiction, it seems like, is what's, what's yeah. driving you. Yeah, I don't, I don't recommend nonfiction, to be honest. <laughs> Why is that? Because I, th- I think that's what everyone wants. 
everyone asks me what books that they should read, but I feel like so many people just want to be told to read Sapiens or uh, Skin in the Game or right. all these books. And to me, the test of asking for a recommendation is that you're going to follow through on the recommendation. And so if someone asks me what book they should read and I tell them The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo and they don't read it, to me, that's why were they asking? Exactly. Yeah. So for me, it's like I believe it's the it is the best book that I've read in the last couple of years. Um, and so, you know, I always and and the, you know, if you want nonfiction, I mean, you can get plenty of those recommendations on right every all the time. You know, and so for me, it's like, you know, uh, my my assumption is that you're probably familiar with a lot of the books that I would be recommending if I was recommending nonfiction, and so I don't. I try to avoid it. I respect that. I, I worked in several bookstores and recommendations are get harder and harder since we can't, we have so many options and the list grows so long that at some point I don't think I'm going to read anything and anyone recommends. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's just kind of like the, it's like a small talk or something. People are right. doing it to, to do it. Um, yeah, I don't even ask for, for recommendations anymore. Cause I know I'm not going to do it. Like I, I'm not going to follow through. I have enough of a list of things that right. I Right. You're internally driven. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I, I think for me, like if I can, if I have four hours free, I could write, I could paint, I could watch Netflix. I could listen to a podcast. Like it's, it's, you know, it's hard for me to choose the latter two, if I could, if I could be creating, I'm probably going to pick that. Nice. Uh, or I, or do nothing almost. I'd rather just do nothing. Underrated. I think more work. people need to hop on that. Yeah. It's kind of become a meme almost on Twitter, but I think it's, it's a meme for a reason. I think there's a lot to learn from just spending time in your own head. Well, on that note, uh, think, I think we got everything that we're, I was looking to ask you. I appreciate awesome. it again. And uh, what you got planned for the rest of today? Um, I got, let's see. Let's open up my calendar. I got another interview, podcast interview. Um, almost done with them. I'm running out, so that's exciting. Okay. Um, and then I have dinner with, uh, with another creator turned entrepreneur uh, at night. And then I have a call with... Uh, with a conference I'm speaking at the lean startup conference in San Francisco in October or September, October, I think. Um, and so I'm, I have a call with them to, to discuss what I'm going to talk about and the format and everything like that. Very cool. Well, Godspeed. I'll work on Gummer too somewhere. Oh yeah. <laughs> when you can. Exactly. Great. Well, take it easy. Thanks again, Sahel and I'll see you on the internet. Sounds good. Take care. All right. Bye. Bye.